From the Ephesians passage, there was a key line. And in modern English, it's what makes the Holy Spirit sad. What grieves the Holy Spirit? What quenches, like pouring water on a fire? You see, we live in days where changes and the breaking of the established world order is obvious. This nation is being shaken from government expenses, corruption, the wrongdoing of the press, allegations involving the police, the church, banks, and financial shaking. Wars, famine, Syria, massacre in Nor Norway. The list of wickedness is endless. And before us every day in the papers, it's there, isn't it, on TV and via the internet if you have a computer. And all of this can, can affect our thinking and actions, maybe just subconsciously, but what to do, how to respond. In our reading from Ephesians earlier, verse 17 says this, So I tell you this, and insist on it, in the Lord, that you must no longer live in the futility of Gentile thinking. The result is they have a continued lust for more. What was the major root of our nation's financial problems? A continual lust for more. But that's not for us. Verse 25 says this, each of you, notice each of you, no exceptions, Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are members of one body, not split up into factions, one body under Christ, and that includes all of us. Are you angry sometimes? Do not sin. Do not let the devil get a foothold. The author of division is Satan, the devil, to divide why? So he can rule his way, not Jesus' way. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Speak only, only what is helpful for the building up of others. Not words that tear down, cause division and thwart God's plans for us. Now we come to the central purpose of this theme of the talk. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That is, do not make the Holy Spirit sad. How do we do that? Well, the list we've just been through is a start, isn't it? Then we need to add the items in verse 31. These are what I call the get rid ofs. Get rid of, we'll make it into one word. Get rid of, first one, all bitterness. That festering thing from the past, done or not done, said or implied, causes a bitter and twisted heart with a bitter fruit from it, often in actions and words. Get rid of it. Deal with it. Rage and anger. We often minimize this to we're upset, I'm upset, they upset me. But the spirit behind it, in truth, is rage and anger, the opposite of forgiveness. The third one is brawling and slander. The spoken words that tear somebody down 
If it's written down, it becomes libel. All of these things grieve the Holy Spirit. They make him sad. The fourth one, get rid of every form of malice. It grieves the Holy Spirit. This portion of Ephesians that James read so well to us and so powerfully is headed, living as children of light. Living as children of might. And those matters that we've run over there, and there's so many others, that makes the Holy Spirit sad, are from the darkness. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. He's not just an influence on us from within us, but a person who can be grieved. So the basic Christian attitude which is only, only as a result of us being forgiven by Jesus, is this. Is be kind. And here we have words to run together. Not a get rid of, but to one another. To one another. Be kind to one another. Be compassionate to one another. Be forgiving to one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. It also grieves the Holy Spirit when we as a church do not do what God wants us to do. This means that we have to be dead to our own ideas and plans if, if the voice of the Holy Spirit has been heard, tested by scripture and prayer. Then, and only then, will John 12, 21 come about. And that says, sir, we would see Jesus. Isn't that what revival is? Seeing Jesus. Something has to die in order that God can work. Our good ideas, our thoughts, our things may be influenced from the past, may be an aspiration for the future, and it may be good, it may be right. But if it's not what God wants us to do, sir, we would see Jesus? No, we won't. So how do we operate when we see Jesus? Imagine the presence of God comes as he has broken through at times. If he comes in that loving power, in revival, how do we as a church and how do we individually operate? It's already been mentioned by Liz. It's the waiting, but it's also Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. He is whispering. Can you hear him? He's whispering, let me be God. I have everything in hand. Do only those things I ask of you. That means I am to do only those things that he asks me to do. Taken, tested by prayer and scripture. I'm only to do those. I am not to do the list of things that I think I ought to do. You know the ought word. I am not 
to do the things that I ought to do. Long sentence. Keep it simple. The oughts become naught. Nor am I to do those things which I think others think I ought to be doing. Nor am I to do those things which I think others think I ought to be doing. If I don't do that, I will make the Holy Spirit sad. The Holy Spirit will be grieved. And it's a grievous thing for you and for me to do. Verse 22 says, put off your old self. Verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And when we achieve that, in some measure, that makes him, the Holy Spirit, no longer sad. Maybe he will smile on you. Let's pray. Father, it says in Scripture, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and we long to see your face, and we wait for you. But Lord, there are some things that we have to stop, and some warts have to go, Lord. Will you just enable us to be as one in the purposes of God that we hear from you, that it's confirmed by words and pictures, and we're obedient, Lord, and that we can follow your path, that path of blessing, revival, wholeness, that will bless so many outside, that people will sweep into the kingdom, Lord, in a way that they haven't for years, out of this world that is broken, disastrous, crumbling, and just uncertain, that you come in as the rock for people to stand on, that spiritual eyes that are dead and blind will be opened. But thank you, Lord, that despite your mighty work, you call on simple people like us to hear from you and to be obedient. We are a free church, Lord, and we just want to say, you are free, Lord, to come. You're free to teach us and guide us. And we are sufficiently mature and malleable, Lord, that if you do new things, we will not resist them or fight them. We will not go ahead with our own ideas and plans and wonderful schemes, Lord, that we will come into the center of your purpose and be obedient and see your kingdom come. And Lord, we wait for that. We invite you to come. Sweep out all that is unhelpful and bring all that is helpful to us. Protect us at this time, Lord, because attacks will come from without and within, because the enemy hates, hates baptisms, hates the worship, hates us being obedient to your plans. So we just take authority in the name of Jesus and bind that down and pray confusion on the enemy's plans to see God's purposes not achieved in this place. And Lord, the resources we need, will you send in with the financial people, the helps we need? But Lord, will you give people the hunger and a heart for those that are lost and heading towards to that place without God come Holy Spirit empower this word deep into us come and bless us in Jesus name Amen